Many times when I'm ministering to people, they will tell me that I just don't understand. I don't understand their unique situation, and I don't understand what they've been through. And to be honest, in many cases, they're probably right. Many cases, I don't understand where they've been and what they've gone through. But I tell you who does understand, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the Gospel Expedition, where we explore the Gospel from Genesis to Revelation. The Gospel is how Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It is through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that our sins have been paid for, we have been forgiven by God, and we have been made whole. It is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have victory over death, victory over the grave, so that we know that one day after we die, we'll be raised up for an eternal life in his presence, in his kingdom. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And all passages of scripture deal with the gospel. They either set it up, explain it, foreshadow it, show how it works, demonstrate it, foretell it. There's all kinds of different ways that the scripture addresses the gospel. But the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is all about the gospel. Now, when we turn to Genesis chapter 16, we meet a lady named Hagar. And when you read Hagar's story, any reasonable person would read her story and say, that's not fair, that is wrong, that should not have happened. And that is an appropriate response to the story of the life of Hagar. If you haven't read her story in Genesis chapter 16, here's what happens. Abraham and Sarah have been promised a child by God. God has promised Abraham that he would have a son, and through that son, he would have many descendants who would become a great nation. And through that great nation, through those descendants, would come the Messiah, would come the Christ, would come the Savior, who would bless the families of the world. The entire world would be blessed by Christ, who would be a descendant of Abraham. Now, the problem for Abraham and Sarah is that they are well over the age of bearing children, and even back in the day when they could have children, when they were of childbearing age, even back during those days, Sarah, Abraham's wife, could not have children. And so we find Abraham from time to time trying to solve this problem on his own. Back in Genesis chapter 15, he tried to name his servant as his heir. In Genesis chapter 16, this story takes a darker turn. In Genesis chapter 16, Sarah comes up with an idea. In this point of the scripture, they're still being called Abram and Sarai. So if you're reading the scripture, that's why there's a difference in names. They get renamed later. Follow along with me. Sarah has an idea. There was a custom back in that day where if the woman of the house could not have children, there would be a handmaiden that would have children on her behalf. And so through the handmaiden, the family lineage would carry on with the children being credited to the woman of the house rather than the handmaiden who had actually given birth to the children. And so this is the idea that Sarah comes up with. And looking at this, you look at this from Hagar's perspective, Hagar is Sarah's handmaid that Sarah is appointing to have the child on her behalf. You look at this from Hagar's perspective, and this doesn't necessarily sound like, to me it wouldn't sound like a good idea at first. You know, Hagar now is being drafted to have children with Abraham, which means that Hagar, a young lady in her prime, is going to have to have intimate relations with Abraham. 
And they go through with this. And Hagar conceives. And when Hagar conceives, the Bible says that her mistress was despised in her eyes. What this meant was Hagar developed a very poor attitude towards Sarah. And thinking about this, you can kind of understand why. Here, your life and your very body has been taken over by someone else. I don't have to go into great detail about how one would find this to be a violation of oneself. And so Hagar has a pretty poor attitude towards Sarah. Hagar despised Sarah. Sarah was despised in Hagar's eyes. And so Sarah, realizing she's made a mistake, she goes to Abraham and asks him to deal with it. And Abraham says, she's your handmaid. You deal with it the way you see fit. Sarah deals very harshly with, with Hagar. And so Hagar runs away. And as Hagar is running away, she finds herself out in the wilderness. She's crying. And that's when God speaks to her. And it's a very powerful thing when God speaks to her. We pick this up in Genesis chapter 16, verse 8. When God said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said unto her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Be'er Lahirai. It lies between Kadesh and Barad. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. And so as she is fleeing, God reaches out to her. He calls her, Hagar, where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from Sarah. And God says, listen, I'm going to look after you. You're going to have a son. I'm going to bless you. But you need to go back to Sarah right now. And that sounds unpleasant. But where else would Hagar receive the care that she needed? And so God basically told Hagar he was going to step into the situation. He was going to advocate on her behalf he was going to take care of her. When this conversation is done, Hagar doesn't feel like God's betrayed her for sending her back. Hagar realizes that God sees her, that God looks upon her affliction, that God looks after her. And so in this moment, when she hears God say to go back to Sarah, and she goes back to Sarah, Hagar understands that God is looking after her, that God is taking care of her. And so Hagar is willing to trust the Lord to the point that she's willing to go back to Sarah. And from this entire instance in Scripture, we learn a few things about God. And we learn how this relates to the gospel. The first thing we learn is that God sees us. He sees us. He understands us. He understands how we feel. He identifies with it. But not only does he see us, he looks after us. The second thing we learn from all this is that God blesses us. We're going to talk about the blessing he gave to Hagar 
and we're going to talk about the blessings he gives to us. And the final thing we're going to learn from this is that God calls us to reconcile. God calls us to reconcile. And the parallel to the gospel in all this is that like Hagar, we were there in the wilderness, having been negatively affected and adversely affected by sin, nowhere to go, no hope to look forward to, but God saw us. He understood our need, he understood our affliction, he understood our condemnation, and he looked after us. He guided us into salvation, and he purchased that salvation through Jesus Christ on the cross. And then he continued to look after us, bringing people into our lives who would teach us the gospel to bring us to a point of repentance and faith where we could experience that salvation. First point we're going to look at today, God sees us. God sees us. Now, Hagar in her day was invisible. Nobody noticed Hagar. Nobody paid any attention to Hagar until it was time to have a child with Abraham. Hagar was invisible to the people of her day. Her will was invisible. Nobody asked Hagar what she wanted to be when she grew up. Nobody asked Hagar what her dreams were. Her will and her desires were invisible to Abraham and Sarah. She was invisible to the guest and to the associates of Abraham. When people would come to visit Abraham and Sarah, they wouldn't say, well, how's Hagar doing? How's she doing? What's she up to? No, she was just a figure in the background to everybody. She was invisible to people. And perhaps you feel invisible too. Perhaps you feel nobody really cares about your situation. Nobody cares what your dreams are. Everybody just seems to take from you and take advantage of you. And nobody really seems to regard what's in it for you, how you could benefit. Nobody really seems to care whether you are doing well or not. Maybe you feel invisible. Hagar was invisible to the people of her day. She was also abused in this situation. She was abused by Abraham and Sarah. And if you've heard this story growing up and you grew up you know, seeing Abraham as a hero, it's okay to see Abraham as a hero. We have to understand that the patriarchs of the faith, the heroes of the faith, these great men of God were also susceptible to very serious mistakes and very serious sin. And one of the things we learn as we read through their lives, instead of trying to cover up the warts or try to kind of de-emphasize it or wash it away, just thinking, well, it couldn't have really been that bad. Surely God wouldn't have used someone who would have done a bad thing. What we need to do is instead of trying to justify it and rectify it in our mind, is we need to see just how loving and gracious God is and just how far he will go to redeem, to transform, to correct, to rescue, and to save. That's what you learn from Abraham's end, seeing this mistake that is made and seeing how God continues to work with Abraham and through Abraham and with Sarah and through Sarah. You learn a lot about God's forgiveness. You learn a lot about his grace. That's what we learn from that. But for, but for Hagar... Let's not whitewash this. She was abused in this situation. She did not have the real option of saying no. She had no real options here. She had to go along with this. She was in a hopeless situation. And maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel helpless. Maybe you feel taken advantage of. Here you are, invisible. Nobody cares. And you seem to be betrayed. You seem to be left out. Nobody sees you. But let me tell you something, God sees you. And that's what we learned from Hagar, God sees us. God saw Hagar, he saw her situation, 
And the Bible says in verse 13, she says, truly, I have seen him who looks after me. She saw that God looked after her and she trusted God to look after her. You may feel like everybody has forgotten you exist and that nobody cares what's going on with you. But let me tell you something. God is looking after you. God sees you. He looks after you. He loves you. He's concerned for you. And he also blesses. God blesses us. He blesses you. The Bible says that God saw Hagar and he looked after her. Again, going back to verse 13, she says, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. God saw Hagar and he looked after her. He looked after her needs. She had needs. She needed to be fed. She needed to have water. She needed to be, she needed medical treatment. She needed to be nourished in this condition she's in where she is expecting this child. God saw that need and he looked after that need. He didn't let her just wither in the wilderness. God saw her spiritual need as well and God spoke to that spiritual need. And that spiritual need was fulfilled when you see Hagar expressing her faith in the Lord as him who looks after me and her willingness to obey the Lord even when we would find it pretty repulsive to go back to Sarah in that instance, Hagar trusted God enough to do that. And so God blessed Hagar. He saw her, her physical needs and he met them. He saw her spiritual needs and he met them. He saw her need for protection and esteem and he met those needs. God promised her a great son and, a, and descendants who had become a mighty nation. God gave her hope. And she didn't have any at that time. But when God enters the picture, he gave her hope. He blessed her. He gave her hope. And he gave her something that she had not had before. And that's a heritage, an identity of who I am. I'm going to be the mother of this people, of this great nation, of all these descendants. She's got a heritage now. God blessed her. Likewise, God blesses us. God looks after us. He sees our needs. He sees our physical needs. He sees the needs that we have for food, water, shelter, finances. He sees those needs. And he meets those needs. He meets those needs according to his will in the way that is best for us. God sees our spiritual needs. He sees our need for salvation. He sees our need to be forgiven for sin, to have our sins paid for to be rescued from sin so that we do not stand before God eternally condemned. He sees the need for that salvation and he freely gave it through Jesus Christ on the cross. And all you need to do to be able to inherit that salvation is to turn from your sins and to trust what Jesus Christ did on the cross to save your soul so that you could stand before God guiltless. He sees our need for salvation. He sees our need to be redeemed from the consequences, the, the scars more, more accurately, the scars of our sins, to rebuild our lives, to redeem our lives, to transform our lives, and to transform who we are as people, as souls, uh, transform our values, our way of thinking, the, the, the way, the decisions that we make, to transform us into people that he can look upon and say, well done, good and faithful servant. We can look at Abraham and Sarah and we can say they did a terrible thing here with Hagar. But if we look back in our own lives, there's probably a situation where you look back on one particular situation where you were the bad person. You say, oh, that was horrible. And you don't like to think about it. It brings you guilt. It brings you shame. But just as God redeemed Abraham and Sarah out of this situation, he transformed them, he'll transform you. 
And just as God gave Hagar hope and esteem and transformation and restoration, he will give you the same as well. God blesses us. God sees us. He blesses us. And then he calls us to reconcile. One of the things that really stands out to me about Hagar is God calling her to go back to Sarah, to go back to the woman who dealt harshly with her, who put her in this situation. And Hagar says, God looks after me. And so she believes God. She trusts God. And the lesson we learned from Abraham back in chapter 15 is that God sees that as righteousness. And she trusted God to the point that she was willing to go back into a difficult situation because God called her back into it. If you're in an abusive relationship, I am not saying that God's calling you to go back into that abusive relationship. All I'm illustrating here is the level of faith that Hagar had. But in sending, it's just an insanely high level of faith it took for Hagar to go back to Sarah in this instance, and she did it. It's amazing. But the other thing you see here is by going back to Sarah and going back to Abraham, Hagar is going to experience some reconciliation. They're going to forgive, she's going to forgive them. The relationship there is going to be restored. That's going to be reconciliation. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again and sits at the right hand of the throne of God where he ever lives to make intercession for us, not only did he pay our sin debt, but he also purchased our way into the family of God. We have been reconciled to God. We were enemies to God, but now we are friends of God. We are his beloved children. It's reconciliation. God reconciled us to himself through the gospel. And his call to salvation is a call to leave the wilderness that we are in and to enter into his household as one of his beloved. And if God is so serious about reconciliation that he'll reconcile us to himself, God also wants to see us reconcile ourselves to each other, to forgive one another, and to restore those broken relationships. God calls us to reconciliation, and that is an act of faith. Hagar. This is a story that many theologians will address but try to skip through because it's a pretty repulsive thing that happens. But in this story, we learn that no matter who you are or what's happened to you, God sees you. He looks after you. He blesses you. He redeems you. He heals you. He reconciles you. To experience the fullness of this, all it takes is faith. All it takes is trusting him and believing in his gospel. This is the Gospel Expedition. I'm Leland Acker. <laughs>